Welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio and 1252 Sports Entertainment. I'm Salim Sitarwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Shuler Jr. Hey, Ed, how's it going, man? Hey, everything's been going really well. Uh, we got a lot to get into, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great today. How about you? I'm great. I'm, 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 I'm excited. Like, it's, it's just refreshing. So many great moves going on with the Bulls. Um, you know, it's... AK came in, uh, didn't have a lot to work with and kind of just, you know, made, made, you know, diamonds out of whatever, like rocks out of diamonds or diamonds out of rocks. Uh, he made things work, you know, he using the big market, uh, big market mentality, you know, big market muscle and, and getting things done. Yeah, absolutely. We ended last, the last show talking about or wondering what moves would, could AK and Eversley make that would come out of nowhere? And I feel like they made a few of those moves. So uh, they continue to play their cards close to the vest. And I, I think a lot of Bulls fans are very excited about it. So uh, we'll definitely get into it. Yeah, 100%. And again, before we bring in our guests uh, and get into the conversation, just a reminder again to our listeners, this will be our last episode on this bull under Bulls Gold platform because you guys are following us under Bulls Gold. We are moving to the Barroom Network. So again, great content over there. They do a lot of great uh, Chicago sports shows. They already have a couple of Bulls shows, but we're going to be adding to that. Uh, and you guys can search them at all like podcast podcast platforms, and you'll be able to uh, find us on there going forward and it should be about august 15th when we make a new episode next time and you should be able to find us on there but yeah let, let's bring in our guest now will gottlieb we've had him on a few times i think three four times in the past uh big bulls fan he's very knowledgeable about the game and obviously about the team and he's very excited too i think with all the moves they've made will thank you so much for joining us how how's it going it's going great, guys. Thanks for having me. I didn't realize this was going to be your last Bulls Gold episode, so I'm honored to uh, to be on for that. But I'm very yeah, much looking yeah. forward to the for the next steps. I saw that news. That's very exciting. So congrats. no, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, we're technically still Bulls Gold. Well, we are not technically. We are Bulls Gold. So, but yeah, we're just not going to be like under the uh, loading our own episodes. We're going to be under a different network. So that's yeah, it's exciting for us. We're we're looking forward to it and. A lot of a lot is a lot of changes and a lot of changes with the Bulls and just the last couple of days has kind of been like a tsunami of changes. We got Lonzo Ball on a four-year, eighty-five million dollar sign-in trade. Uh, we ended up getting Alex Caruso, which was probably the more surprising one for the full mid-level exception. Might turn into a sign-in trade as well with a three-way deal with the Lakers ending up getting the uh, trade of players ex- exception. Uh, so that way the Bulls can still have the mid-level exception to utilize. And then the big one again today where we acquired DeMar DeRozan for Thad Young, uh, future protected first and two seconds. So, yeah, I mean, that's a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So what are your uh, like initial thoughts little by little? Let, let's start off with the DeMar, uh, sorry, the Lonzo Ball uh, signing. How, how did you like that and how that process fell out? Yeah, uh, definitely a lot of um, stuff to process here, and I'm still working my way through it. Lonzo was, I think I would have been a little disappointed if they didn't get Lonzo done. I think he was somebody, obviously, that was 
rumor dating back to last season, we were talking about uh, Alonzo Lowry swap um, on that last year of those rookie deals. So um, obviously the trade deadline didn't happen. And so I'm glad they finally got it through. I'm fine with the money. I think like he's 24 years old. He can grow into that. I have no problems there. I, I was just pumped to see that they were acquiring a big name free agent, um, getting somebody who kind of complements a lot of Zach's weaknesses as far as moving the ball, help defense, um, spacing the floor. So I, I think just seamless fit, perfect on the timeline with Zach, like 24 years old is perfect. Um, manageable, reasonable contract. I, I thought that was great. Yeah, and I, I like the move even more now, especially after today's news. The concern I had initially was that if we get Lonzo and he's the biggest acquisition we have, then, okay, you're now depending on Lonzo Ball, I guess, to be more of a bigger creator or playmaker. And I feel like that's just not his strong suit. But after today's news, I feel like now he is in a in an ideal role. Like he is in the perfect role in the Bulls starting lineup where he'll now be the like third perimeter uh, playmaker or shot creator. And he'll still get a lot of open threes. I think he took over eight threes per game last year in new Orleans. So we should still expect him to be somewhere around that this season. And of course we're still going to get some pretty strong defense too. So I, I like, I really like the move and 20 it's about what 22 or 21 million per year I I think it could have been a lot worse like it could have been like 25 or 26 that was my guess a few weeks back but I, I think it's a pretty good contract considering the moves that uh, we made today yeah I think the the longer or larger uh, term cap implications are interesting we can probably get into that a little bit later but um, you're right I mean he's not gonna be like uh, all NBA caliber player He's a ball mover. He's not somebody that's going to break you down. Um, he has really improved his shooting. And I think the, like Zach will really benefit from his floor spacing. Um, I think he's a little overrated on the ball defensively, not somebody who's going to like take on your Kawhi's or LeBron's, but I think just off the ball defense help side stuff um, going to be so much of an improvement over like Zach and Kobe yeah. and Larry Markin back there. So that's huge. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, it's a lot of money, but they spend a lot more money and it's not my money. So I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> just throw it, throw it in the air. Like, let's just, let's get these wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it, the money thing is, is not a concern to me either, because look, if this is a sign that the Ryan's reserves are finally like, you know what, yeah, we're going to spend, we're not going to worry about the tax. We're, we're just going to try to keep going. And obviously this season, they're not going to be paying the taxes. I mean, they can't because they are capped. But uh, going forward, you know, next season, when it comes to time to pay Zach and they have to do that max extension, I, I'm i hoping that that's not a concern for them that, you know, well, we, now we got to move something here, just a small contract here to get under the uh, luxury tax. So I think, I think I'm fine with the money. And like you said, with, with, with Lonzo, it's it's funny to me. I think this free agency, this might be the first time the Bulls sign somebody that they will link to for months. Like how many times as Bulls has Bulls fans we've had like like a decade of like Amari Stoudemire, Carmelo Anthony, 
obviously D-Way, LeBron, all these different names, Paul Gasol, but the first time that we thought we were going to get either via trade or free agency. And, you know, it, it seemed like that they were really interested in coming here. But at one reason or another, it, it just didn't work out. But Lonzo Ball, we've been hearing about Lonzo Ball rumors as early as before the trade deadline even. Like it was a couple of months before the trade deadline where there seemed to be interest in going after Lonzo and they were able to get him. So that that to me like kind of signifies a change in itself as well. It really reminded me of when Pax used to say like in our building, like all the time it was like <laughs> yeah. in our, and it's the first time that like, and, and it goes back to the the overpaying guys too. Like this is the first time that they haven't just like overpaid Pau Gasol or D Wade or Rondo or Jabari Parker. Like you're getting a guy who's like not even in his prime yet. And I tweeted this out. It's like probably the best pre or during prime free agent that the bulls have ever signed. I mean, it's like, the guys I mentioned, Carlos Boozer was 29, which like whatever you can, you can um, quibble there. But like even going back to like the Dennis Rodman, Ron Harper days, like those guys were in their thirties. So I think it's really exciting. Um, the cap implications longer term are going to be tricky, but uh, it's just nice to get some new blood in there. Some youth, some guys who like are skilled on both sides of the ball and who can improve. I think like that's a pretty underrated aspect here is like, Lonzo's 24, Zach's 26, Patrick is like still 19 somehow, Kobe's young if they decide to keep him, Lowry's young if they decide to keep him, like they have veteran help, they have guys who are, Vucevic is like almost 30 I think, DeRozan 31, but they also have this still this small group of younger guys who can continue to improve and hopefully outplay these contracts and I think that's really exciting um, from just like a talent level because I can't remember a Bulls team that had such a deep roster of talent. Right. Pat, Pat's the new Tatum. He's going to be 19 forever. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me ask you this, Will. Are you surprised that Lonzo signed with the Bulls, given that it, there feel, it felt like there were a lot of teams who were interested in going after him? We heard New York for a while. There were rumors of Boston. I think I saw Indiana once. Like there were a lot of different suitors. And as you mentioned, he was one of the bigger free agents this year. So what does that say about how the Bulls were able to get him, the front office? The Bulls aren't exactly coming off this amazing season, but yet they were still able to get Lonzo Ball and then later DeMar DeRozan uh, today. So were you surprised about it? Just purely looking at it from uh, the perspective of, this revamp front office? I was, I mean, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. I think first, like you had the Kyle Lowry and Mike Conley dominoes go off the board pretty quickly. Obviously the Pelicans um, opened up a ton of room in hopes to get Kyle Lowry and swung and missed. And I think there was probably like some move that AK was playing to like uh, have that offer sheet out right away. So that would have tied up, um, the Pelicans money made, they would have had three days to decide about, um, whether to like match the restricted offer sheet. Um, and I think they just like, didn't want to do that because they didn't want to potentially lose on the chance to get Lowry. So obviously they missed on that and they went and did their thing with Devante Graham works for me, but I do think that there was some leverage there just in terms of like trying to move quickly. Now that doesn't answer the question of like, why didn't he come to the Knicks 
why didn't he choose like any other team? Um, and I think I'm hoping like selfishly that AK just like had a, a bigger vision that he could sell Lonzo on. Like we're going to get Cruz to, to come here. We're going to get DeMar DeRozan. And I do think that there is something to be said for like the sun success this year, where you have this young core of players. Zach Levine is an all-star and maybe like you're not Chris Paul, but like you're a young point guard who can help improve Zach. Zach can help improve you. And we can bring in a couple other veterans all of a sudden now we're kind of shooting up the the standings here. So um, I think having a larger plan in place um, and just pitching Lonzo on that, obviously he agreed to that deal right away. So um, he wanted to come here for some reason. He was like sold on that vision, whatever it may have been. I think just credit to AK and, and uh, Eversley and, and all the front office. I think also I a little credit to Zach too, because I feel like, him and Zach have been talking all season about playing with each other. The, like the UCLA connection is strong. Yeah. And I, I think it's also a sign that shows that guys want to play with Zach. Like he's Zach's a likable guy you're seeing in uh, Team USA. Everyone's like Kevin Durant can't stop gushing about Zach. You know, you see all these players like we've seen in the past. We've talked about how Chris Ball constantly talked, tweeted about Zach. Oh, Zach's a problem in the making. D Wade's mentioned. And so, this constant consistently it's been Zach is a likable guy. People see the talent Zach is and they do want to play with him. And I think that also is something that that's nice to see. And it's, I think that's beneficial going forward. Yeah. The bulls haven't really had a guy like that before. I think obviously Jimmy was really good and got D Wade to come, but like Zach is such a more soft-spoken guy People see that like he's obviously got a ton of tools, but very raw coming into the league and how much work he put in to refine his game. Um, and I think, you know, he's still so young that like it would be easy to say, okay, if these guys are going to give me a ton of money. I'm going to have a great role to play next to a good player. And um, what else do I need? Right, right. It's a, it's a compelling market. Uh, finally, they're treating themselves like a destination. Um, I don't know. I think, I think the stars just kind of align. Yeah. And it almost feels like we also kind of bullied the small market into giving us their, their player. That kind of feels like that, you know, in a sense. Yeah. I, it's really the first time I can remember where they've acted like a big market team and used that to their advantage and um, like credit to, to AK in the front office, obviously, but also like, at some point you got to credit the Reinstorfs who are like actually spending the money now, which is something right. that they've really ever done. So as weird as it is to uh, credit those guys, you kind of have to at this point. Yeah. We, we've never really seen an off season where the bulls are over the cap and they are making multiple moves to improve the talent on the roster. Usually the John Paxson and Gar Foreman playbook is get under the cap and acquire guys and Let's make moves that way. But this offseason for Karnishivas and Eversley has been we're over the cap, but we're swinging multiple sign in trades. We're getting a little creative with it. When we talk about these other deals, I think uh, Bobby Marsh was saying that there could be like it, it could be some like, like sign in trade where uh, Tice is going to Houston and 
we acquire Caruso through the TPE and all this other mess. Like, there's a lot of different moving parts that they're uh, making this happen. So it, it's it involves a lot of creativity. It involves some aggression. It involves some really good manipulation of the cap, and it is very very impressive. We have not seen anything like this as Chicago Bulls fans. I think in a long time. I, I, I really can't even think of an offseason that really compares to it, just from that perspective. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. I've seen a couple of people praising JJ Polk on Twitter, uh, which is a good call out. He's obviously the cap guy in the Bulls front office. And um, it makes you wonder like if the previous regime, who shall not be named, uh, <laughs> even like knew that that was a thing. Like, <laughs> Did they understand that you could go over the cap and still sign guys? I don't know. We'll never know. But um, yeah, it's a it's a breath of fresh air for sure. Yeah. And, you know, go, going into the, the second one, which is another interesting deal that I think we're going to finally find, find out a, in a little bit as far as how exactly it's going to go down. And a little more surprising deal was Alec Caruso, Alex Caruso, I should say. Uh, I think maybe an underrated signing as far as a lot of Bulls fans are concerned. Maybe they were kind of not too happy with it or originally not too happy with it, but I think he's a really good addition. Obviously he really soars up the on ball point of attack defense on the pick and roll. He's, he's top notch there. If you look at EPM, I think he's like 99th percentile on the defensive end. Uh, he's also a good floor spacer. He's going to, he'll make good, smart decision. He's a, he'll, he's not like a point guard, but he'll, Kind of like in, in the same sense that uh, Lonzo is a connector. He'll make the smart passes, smart plays out there. Uh, yeah, he, he's just a really good addition. And and like you said, with all these getting creative with the deals, it's interesting to see how we will end up getting him, whether it will be for just a MLE, a mid-level exception, or will it be a sign-and-trade. So uh, give us your thoughts on Alex Caruso and, and how you like that and, and how you see that deal potentially playing out. Yeah, I think you you nailed it. He's definitely like a great piece uh, as like kind of a combo or a complementary guard. Um, I'm interested to see those three-guard lineups with uh, Caruso, Lonzo, and Zach. I think um, he can really run the floor. He's a good athlete. Um really need the extra spacing, especially with the DeRozan signing um, to just have like shooters up and down the lineup um, who can also move the ball, who can also defend. I think the the point of attack defense is really probably the most important part here. Um, the Especially after the DeRozan signing, like Lonzo, Zach, DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and Vucevic is not really stopping anyone. So being able to bring... Um, Caruso and just to like put some pressure on the, on the ball coming across half court, I think is, is going to go a long way. And it's honestly like a pretty reasonable deal. I think, I mean, he's, you may think it's like an overpay, but some of the projections I was looking at were saying that it was actually uh, below market value for a player that puts up similar production. I do wonder just like what he's going to look like when he's not playing with LeBron, like an AD, is he going to be able to like make, as much uh, impact on the ball if he doesn't have the like security that AD's behind him cleaning up um, any mistakes. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it was a really smart signing. And like you said, another one of those just like AK incognito moves where um, 
it's just as a fan, it's like fun to see, Oh my God, this guy came out of nowhere. Like, this is awesome. And then kind of have that reaction to it. So I'm really excited to see him. And I think he'll have a pretty solid role depending on what happens with Kobe. Um, but yeah, I mean that the bulls like guard lineup is looking pretty strong. I just want to give some appreciation to his nicknames on basketball reference. Basketball reference always has the worst <laughs> nicknames, but Caruso may have the best assortment of nicknames. He has the bald Mamba, the bald Eagle, Caruso, Goat, AC, White Mamba 2.0, and perhaps the best one, the Accountant. So I, I, I love it. And I think this is a pretty solid signing for the reasons you mentioned. And if he's coming off the bench, I think he complements all of the guards on this team really well. Suddenly, I think Kobe White has a really good backcourt partner off the bench because Caruso can defend both positions and he can still hit the threes and he's still a, like you said he's a good connector he's a he's gonna make the extra pass and he's a very smart basketball player uh solid athleticism so I, I feel like we upgraded the Garrett Temple role got more athletic got a uh better shooter and we got some fresher legs there so uh it, it's definitely not something I thought about as a signing but like you said AK has just kept He's been very incognito. He's kept some things to the vest, and this looks like a pretty uh, solid signing for the uh, bench. And also, I think the championship experience is really nice. Like, just being in a locker room with some good vets and having that and now coming over to this team, I think that's pretty solid. So, uh, I'm looking forward to the impact that he can not only have on the court, but maybe he can bring a little, you know, a little bit in the locker room, too. I'm curious what you guys think about, you kind of touched on it, that just the Kobe experience from here on out. I think obviously now he's going to be pushed back to fourth guard. I do think there's a bunch of three guard lineups that uh, Billy will probably have to play just given the construction. Like you've got a bunch of six, four, six, five guards and not a lot of wings. You're going to have to mix and match. But um, on the one hand, I can see exactly where you're coming from in terms of like, uh, Kobe next to Lonzo or next to Caruso, where he can just kind of like run and gun, get shots up, doesn't really have to worry about like running the offense quite as much. Um, doesn't really have to be the point of attack defender, but can just like run around like a chicken with its head cut off and shoot threes, which I think could be really good for him. Um, but on the other hand, like if you've got that three guard lineup of Zach, Caruso, and Lonzo, you just draft AO. Desumu and I don't know, like maybe you want to try to combo him with Lowry and get another wing in there. I could see that happening too, but um, definitely, especially with the the torn labor, I'm like this, uh, this year is going to be really interesting for Kobe and um, whether it's with the Bulls or not. Well, and I think the thing that we thought about when Kobe got injured was, oh crap, the Bulls are down on guards. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, the Bulls have a bunch of guards actually. So (laughs) it's now a strength. So I I think they have fortified that area really well. So Kobe can actually take his time coming back. And one of the things that I like about these moves that they made today is I feel like for the past three or four years, we were putting so much pressure on a lot of these draft picks to do things that maybe they that's not really their game or that's not really like who they are like to carry a team or to be an integral part of a team like at one point we thought Chris Dunn could maybe be a big part of a core and maybe Lowry Markin and too and come to find out maybe that's just not their thing so 
I look at Kobe White and Patrick Williams now, and while I would be open to moving Kobe White in a deal, I look at these guys like, okay, you are in a position now to play your role and do the things that you do best. Patrick Williams, you are now the fifth option in a starting lineup and you are still young. So you can play defense, you can rebound, you can make athletic plays. We don't necessarily need you to score 15 or 16 or have this big breakout season. Kobe, come in, take some shots and do what you do best. So I like that from these moves that, okay, I feel like we have clear structure. I feel like guys don't have to play beyond their role. I feel like we don't have to wonder if Kobe White can be this 25 point per game scorer one day. He can just be a six man, catch and shoot and play his game. So I like that aspect. I think, um, and we can get into the DeRozan stuff here, but I think uh, it's also just kind of a hedge against like trading that pick and being like three draft picks in the hole where you've got really good talent. Now you're probably going to at least hopefully make the playoffs, but now you've also, like you're saying, got some time to like develop and groom Kobe and Pat. Uh, hopefully they resign Zach next year and have that core of Lonzo, Zach, Kobe, Pat will one, once Vucevic and um, DeRozan are kind of on the decline, you kind of like let those guys carry the next wave. And I think, like I said, that's really important when you've, move to like all of your future draft picks. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and to echo Edward, you know, I, I was saying something similar before we started recording where I, I think it is beneficial that the pressure is off of them, that they don't need to come out next season. Like Ed said, Ed, we don't need to expect 25 a game from Kobe next season. We don't need to see Pat take that huge jump and become this third offensive option behind uh, Levine and Booch. Uh, so I think that can help them develop. And I, I think with the, the lineups, it'll be interesting because Billy really liked playing three-guard lineups when he was in OKC. So I expect that. I expect I expect Lonzo to be at the three a lot. Um, I think that's what we'll see him at. Uh, I expect Kobe will probably just come in and be asked to just play off the ball, spot up, space the floor. Uh, we'll just limit his ball handling, not, not – make too much decision making and maybe you know maybe they'll give him a little bit here and there as he's kind of helping develop but nothing to the point that they did last season where they were like okay Kobe go be point Kobe you know we need you to develop as a point guard because well we don't have a point guard but now obviously I mean technically we don't have that uh, traditional point guard still but I think you have a little bit more better playmaking overall on the roster uh, and with DeRozan, what I want to get into as well, who I think has developed very nicely as a half-court playmaker, uh, creator, that is. So, yeah, I think I think it's good. I think it's good. And we'll see if if Kobe's, you know, value can be repaired. If he is not in the long-term plan, maybe you can flip him for a first-round pick uh, next season. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I like I like where we're at with our, our mixture of youth and veterans. We're not we're not in a place where a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, well, this is a fifth seed and there's no way up. Uh, there's, there is still room for growth. Uh, like you talk about Lonzo, you've said that already, that he's not fully developed yet. He still has room to grow. He could not necessarily become an all NBA player, probably not even an all-star, but he can still become a really a better player than what he is right now. Uh, obviously Kobe's development, Pat, 
Pat is probably the biggest key in all of this as far as what the bull ceiling could be. But yeah, we can, I think we can still see all that. And, and with more patience with these young guys, we'll see better growth out of them. Yeah, I, I'm hoping so. I think, uh, especially Kobe, like he, I would think he's just like in over his head, right? Like he, he just was never going to be that guy at this age. And, you know, let's get back to the old, like Tibbs, be a star in your role thing and just like, let him be a gunner. And then you like build up some confidence. He's playing well in that role. And then you start to add stuff and you layer it in. Um, I think like there's kind of a narrative going around on Twitter and I think I agree with most of it. Um, obviously I'm, you know, a little bit skeptical, but like draft capital and like cap space are just like these things that you can hoard and maybe nothing ever comes of it. And that's kind of what was happening in the last three, four or five years um, post Jimmy Butler. And they finally turned that into something. And yes, they overpaid for DeRozan. They gave up that pick. They traded two picks for Vucevic. Um, but they've got good players now. They've got a like deep team of good players who should be good for a couple of years. Um, ideally, those picks are going to be like in the late teens, early 20s, hopefully even late 20s. Um, and you're just, yeah, I mean, like I'd rather, I would rather overpay and have uh, bad contracts with good players than a bunch of like bad players on minimum deals or like rookie scale deals. Um, because like the way that the Bulls were playing, like Wendell was just never going to develop. I don't think Lowry was ever really going to have a chance playing here because they don't really have anybody that can set them up. Um, so hopefully now with like DeRozan's playmaking, as you said, Salim, um, Lonzo and, and Zach improving and Vucevic is a good passer. And these guys just will have like lesser roles. I think they can really start to develop. Yeah. And I said, I said it a while back, but if someone told you entering the offseason that you could get Nikola Vucevic for Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr., and a future protected first-round pick in 2023, you would do that. Because, like Vucevic is still really good, and he's on a two-year deal that is currently a value. So the Bulls skipped the line and got a really good player in Vuce, and they were able to test drive him some last year. And he definitely fits with Zach Levine, so you know that much. And now you add more players who he's going to be able to fit with as well. So it's like they, Karnisovic and Eversley chose a lane. And for the longest, everyone was like, oh, I just wish the Bulls would choose a direction and go all the way through with it. They have the foot on the gas right now, and they are not looking back. They got Vooch. They got Ball. They got Caruso. They got DeRozan. This is as clear as a direction as you have really ever seen with this franchise in a hot minute. But I also want to like reemphasize that like they did go all in, but they also have this like longer term safety net of yes. Pat and Kobe and Zach and Lonzo. Right. Um, to where they're not just like completely yeah. screwed if things don't go well. Yeah. So I think things will go well, but I also think now they have a chance to like win now and develop later, which is something that like you can't say for a lot of teams. I mean, it's like, Obviously, you're in the hole with all your picks, but like there are worse places to be, I think. Yeah. Right. And, and good organizations find a way to develop while you're winning, too. Like that's a key. And look, we'll find out how much better our player development has gotten. I know they made a lot of movement in that department with adding 
various different, you know, people, directors of player development here and there. And which is much better than our last guy, which was a guy probably in the back room, just like turning a wheel or something. I don't know what he was, the, the guy was doing as just a, a lone player develop, development guy, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. And, and I think, like I said, a good organization finds a way to do both where you can win now and develop certain key uh, players and look at like a team like Toronto has done that for a while uh, that, Larry and DeRozan team, yeah, they had their, uh, you know, they had their uh, ceiling of being maybe an Eastern Conference Finals team and then, you know, losing to LeBron or whatever. But they still developed a lot of young talent on that team that made them continuously be good and were able to find a way to get Kawhi and still be a really strong team that would eventually go on to win at least one championship. So, yeah, I mean, if, if the Bulls can kind of become and that mold of a Toronto Raptors, even if they're not, even if we don't have that Kawhi on our on our roster currently, I think that's a major success. Yeah, even just like, I mean, first of all, you said something about good organization. And I just want to stop there and say, it's nice to be a good organization. <laughs> yeah. but also, uh, I think like the Raptors arc, right, is you have Lowry and DeRozan and like a couple of other guys who I can't think of off the top of my head. And then Van Vliet comes in and he like starts to develop and Siakam like comes in and they draft OG Ananobi and then they like go all in trade for Kawhi, win a championship and Kawhi leaves and they're still a very good team. But then you just like kind of have this down year you're in Tampa Bay. uh, People are hurt. Like it just doesn't click for whatever reason. Lowry leaves. You like kind of luck into the fourth pick and now you've got, uh, you know, Scotty Barnes, OG, Siakam, Van Vliet moving forward. Like that's a great place to be. And I think the Bulls, you know, it's not going to be the same arc, but I think, you know, just, just in the event that like things go poorly, they're locked into a lot of talent over the next couple of years. And maybe like Patrick or Kobe, like turns into that Van Vliet or that Siakam that you need to get over the top. Like maybe that's the the extra piece that you need. Cause I think they're probably you know, maybe at the end of the day, like closer to that six to eight range right now, maybe five, six to eight range than they are like top four in the East, top three in the East. Yeah. And even then maybe, uh, Marco Samanovic, I mean, who knows if yeah. he's a surprise, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see like some of these, that's what, I mean, that's what good organizations, again, we talk about good organizations. They find a way to develop some of these late, guys late first round late second or early second round picks that they get i mean you look at you talk about toronto you could talk about siakam and anobi they weren't lottery picks they were late first right i think siakam was i think siakam was in that denzel valentine draft right if i'm if yeah. i'm not mistaken he went like in the 20s no he was before i remember uh i think he i think he was before I think I'm pretty sure he went in the 20s, though, right? Like he did, yeah. And, and OG yeah. was like I think 20 something. I just remember the year that OG and John Collins were in the draft. I was very excited about those two guys, and they took, uh, or that was the year they traded Jimmy, and um, yeah, they drafted <laughs> uh, Justin Patton with the 16th pick. <laughs> yeah, and they traded. Yeah, obviously traded that to many. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I, I like where we're headed towards as far as 
potentially what we could be as far as an organization and kind of like functioning at all different levels. You know, the, the gears are constantly moving. We're not, you know, we're not stopping just because we're doing just because we're winning games doesn't mean that we're sacrificing player development. And just because we're developing young talent doesn't mean we're going to, we have to start losing, you know, every other game and be a below 500 team. So we'll see, like I said, again, we'll see how this player development, the debut department does, but I think everything is in place for everything to run smoothly and the, everything to move along as we want it to. Yeah. I mean, I think also let's get into DeRozan. Cause I think that's really yeah. like the Lonzo thing was awesome. I think we can all agree that was like in the pipeline, but just super exciting. Um, Caruso was like kind of a shock, but obviously I think everybody agrees. That was like a very good pickup. Uh, DeMar comes out of the woodwork today. Uh, I guess there were like rumblings about it from Stein and Winhorst, but what'd you guys think of that package? It was a little startling at first, but I, I'm coming around on it. Yeah. So my, my original thought before I saw the first was attached, I was like, Oh my God, we, we did it. He did the damn thing. I can't believe you got DeRozan. And then I saw the first, I was like, Oh, Oh my God, we gave up another first round pick. And I was like, well, let me see the protection. And I was thinking about that. And then, you know, I, I started reading other smarter people than me. Um, you know, Mark, uh, Karen Zolas from Australia. And then I, obviously my co-host Edward uh, Schuler, he, he, he made a, some great points and it's like, you know, he's right. It's like, look, I, I get like giving up a, a first round pick maybe because DeRozan was, I mean, who are we in competition for him with as far as I think he wanted to come here as opposed to uh, going to the Clippers. I don't know how serious that was. Like they didn't really have cap space. They didn't really have the flexibility to, to make a sign and trade easy. I mean, they could do it, but it's a lot harder for them because they're in the luxury tax. So I was thinking, okay, that we, the, we had to, the fact that we had to give a first round pick to get it done. But then I saw, you know, they gave the amino deal to the Spurs. So that's helpful. They utilize that expiring as opposed to just letting it, you know, let Aminu sit on the bench all season and then that contract goes to waste. And then again, like I said, it is protected. And so wait, let can... me, let me pause you there because I, uh, I've been working all day. I didn't actually see the, the protection. So the, the deal was, as I understand it, uh, Thaddeus Young, Alfaro Aminu, first round pick, which I don't know the protections and you can yeah. tell me and two so, future seconds. Right. So the protection is top 10 and then, so I, I don't know what happens after. So it's top 10 and then top eight and then top eight. And I don't know what happens exactly after that. I'm wondering if it just turns into two seconds or if it goes unprotected, but uh, I'll have to find that out. I, I couldn't find it. Cause I saw John Hollander tweet that out uh, that it was top 10 protected in 2025. And then I think if it doesn't convey that year, I'm wondering then at that point, 2026 then becomes top eight and then 2027 becomes top eight. Uh, and then after that, I'm not sure, but you know, like I said, I, an, another angle we can look at too in, in a year or two from now, I feel like if this, if the bulls are really good, another name will want to come here uh, because they'll see that, you know, this organization, they're, they're do a great job of, focusing on winning and there's a lot there to be desired for and 
maybe we'll get that player. And then again, you know, those, that pick will become non, non-essential. It'll be just kind of like, okay, whatever. It's another pick. And I'm sure we'll probably trade more picks on the line, but like I said, Mark and, and Edward made great points as far as utilizing uh, uh, acting like the, that big market. Like you look at a team like the Lakers, they don't prioritize draft picks as much as other organizations do. They're not like OKC. They're not looking to just grab all these and hoard all these first round picks uh, because obviously they have they have a little bit more power and what they can do and how they can operate as a franchise. So I like. In that sense, I liked it. Obviously, the deal itself, the three-year $85 million was like, oh, well, that's a lot of money. But again, it's not my money. And I've been wanting the Reinsdorf to spend money. And if this is a sign that they're doing that from now on, that they're not going to penny pinch, they're not going to start you know, moving assets because they're trying to avoid the luxury tax. Because again, the luxury tax is going to be have to be paid next season when they extend Zach to his max. So... If they do that without a hesitation, hey, I'm all for it. I mean, this is a welcome change as far as how they're operating. Yeah. I, it's it's like a shock because we're not used to the Bulls trading first-round picks. The Bulls have really only traded a first-round pick once in the past, like before this, uh, I think like in the past, like since 98. And that was when they traded it to Phoenix for Lou Aldang, which they essentially – uh, it was just like a one-for-one one swap. But outside of that, they've never really just straight up traded a, a first-round pick and not got something back. So it's a, it's a culture shock in the sense that this front office is, one, very aggressive, and two, not afraid to move draft picks. And I think they've been really good about how they protected the picks because I, I just don't I just don't really – for me, like missing out on the – it's it's top eight. So missing out on the ninth best prospect in a draft for me is just kind of like, OK, like we'll be fine. <laughs> so it, it, to me, it's like you have to stick your neck out there at some point. And I'm glad that this front office is willing to stick their neck out there. Like I, I can only imagine if we had this type of front office back when the Bulls were actually contenders we wouldn't have ended up with Rip Hamilton as our shooting guard solution when we were trying to win a championship. We wouldn't have ended up with Dunleavy and all this other stuff. Like we made conservative moves and they're actually being aggressive right now. So I, I really like that they're doing this and it sucks losing Thad because he was so good last year, but you have to give the get and it is what it is. So I'm excited about the DeRozan move because one, the Bulls did not get to the free throw line a lot last year. I think they were actually one of the worst in the league. And DeRozan has gotten to the free throw line about seven to eight times per 36 minutes. So he's going to get to the line. He's going to score at a high efficiency because of that. And now you have another shot creator in the half court. So teams just can't throw the kitchen sink at Zach Levine and attack him. You have to worry about DeRozan too. You still have Lonzo Ball out there as well. And Vucevic can get his shot too. So... The Bulls, DeRozan really rounds this Bulls starting lineup out well. It has a lot of everything. It has athleticism. It has three-point shooting. It has multiple shot creators. It has good passers. It has a big man that can get his own shot. I feel like really the only significant flaw of the starting lineup now is like rim protection because Vucevic, that's, he's not like a classic like Jokey Noah or Tyson. They don't Chavis. play you to play defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jabari, Jabari was a prophet. So <laughs> props to him. So 
it, it's just such a well-rounded lineup. I like the vision for the team, and I'm excited for it. So, again, kudos to the front office for, again, another move that seemingly, I know there's been rumors for it for like the last day or so, but this wasn't a long-standing rumor. I think originally people were thinking uh, DeJounte Murray would be someone that we could get from the Spurs, but it ended up being DeRozan. Yeah, I think my take was like, why are we paying him this much money? Why are we giving up draft capital for a guy that's likely going to walk anyway? Who are we outbidding? Like, what is the point of doing this? But I think the point is that like, you're you're overpaying to like solidify this and like go all in here. Um, and that costs money. I wonder if there's, doesn't sound like there's any option on the third year of that deal, but that would be really nice. Um, I think you said it like they, they just have such a rounded offense. I'm very curious to know because DeRozan is such a poor three point shooter. Um, what that like offensive initiation looks like next to Levine, like is DeRozan really going to be the guy and Zach is coming off of screens or maybe they're running like some interesting stuff through Vucevic. Um, I think there's a lot of like cutting and shooting in this lineup aside from DeRozan. So I'm curious to see how it all plays out. I think also like there will be some staggering in there with like, you know, Caruso and Kobe maybe in DeRozan and those guys can just like run around and shoot threes. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. Um, but at the end of the day, like they needed another half court offensive creator. They just did like, even if you think Zach is like the guy, like I know that there's like this whole notion of like heliocentric basketball. and like, you have to have a Luka Doncic um, who runs the entire offense through him or like LeBron, but like you just saw in the finals, like Giannis needed Chris Middleton. Uh, Devin Booker absolutely needed Chris Paul in order to like reach the level that he did. And I think um, there are going to be some spacing issues, but he's such a good cutter and everybody else is such a good shooter around him. Um, And he was a tremendous passer this past season and really the last two seasons with San Antonio. Um, I don't want to see the spread pick and roll show. I think this team should move the ball. I think they should play out of the post. They should cut. Um, they should move around the perimeter and shoot threes. Um, and, and they're going to score a ton of points. Um, Zach and DeRozan get to the line a ton, as you mentioned. Um, I think they're going to need to score a lot of points because they're not going to defend. But um, like I said, they don't pay you to play defense. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's fu- it's funny. So they finished 12th overall in defense last season. Um I think where they struggled a lot is probably more in the pick and roll defense, uh, defending that. A lot of times they got absolutely brutalized because Kobe uh, wasn't that strong of a pick and roll defender. Obviously, Zach is also struggles there. And then you didn't have a lot of good help side, especially in the drop when you when your guards are not putting any type of resistance at, at, on the ball handler. And then no one's helping out the big on the weak side. I mean, that that's how the bulls would usually get destroyed. Now adding Lonzo, I think Lonzo, yeah, he's, he's probably a better Romer as a defender, but he is, he is an upgrade or upgrade as a point of attack defender uh, in the pick and roll. And then obviously we've talked about Caruso uh, as a huge upgrade in that regard. So I'm saying maybe we can, if we can be average defensively, it'll, it'll be fine. 
So the one other thing that I forgot there, um, and then I have an interesting question for you guys, is that like with the draft pick, tacking that on, like it tells me that um, Karnishevist like understands what the draft is. It's like a complete gamble. It's a lottery. And like he gave himself, you know, a little hedge against that by protecting it top four for Rijevic and top 10 or top eight for Damar. So if they land inside the area where you're slightly more likely to hit, you still get it. If not, he's betting on himself to be able to find talent in free agency, which he's proven he can do and develop guys in later first round, early second round, whatever it may be. So um, it's a different way of thinking that I'm still kind of coming to terms with, uh, but it puts us now in a better position to like have this problem of like too much talent. So I'm curious, like what is the closing lineup now? And I, cause I think there's a couple of uh, interesting pieces here. One is can Vucevic stay on the floor defensively or will they care? Um, Cause if he doesn't close games, I think that's an issue. Um, but he is also the kind of player who can just take advantage of any smaller guy in the post. So I think there's some world where he stays on the floor and two um, between I think like Caruso has a real argument just for being able to um, defend the point of attack. So is it Lonzo getting benched? Pat probably like, how does that work? I'm interested to see how uh, Booch as how, how, how better he might be if there's a couple of guys around him that defend well, because in with the magic, I mean, they were able to have a pretty good defense with him. Uh, and granted, I don't can't remember who was around him. If there, everyone was a good defender around him, I can't remember. I know Evan Fournier was on that. It was like team. Evan Fournier, DJ Augustine, Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, I mean Jonathan Isaac is great, but yeah. it's, I mean it's not like those other guys are like top notch defenders. And Steve Clifford was able to. I mean, granted, Steve Clifford is a really good defensive minded coach, but he was able to build a really good defense around Vucevic. Vucevic, so. Um, I, I think I think it'll be interesting to see if Billy can do something similar with that. And like you mentioned, as far as who's sitting, I mean, you can't sit Zach and Vooch. I don't. I, I think that's a that's a no. You cannot sit those two guys because those two guys are your most potent offensive uh, duo. And as far as like the chemistry between them, it's going to be very important. Um, mm-hmm. I think Lonzo is going to probably be at the wing in, in that lineup. I think it's going to come down to if you, I think you stick with Pat, if if his improvement on defense has taken a big step, I know he showed signs as a defender last season, but he still obviously had a lot of rookie mistakes, but if he can kind of store those, those things up. And I think it'll make a, it'll be helpful for him him to be inside defending more on the, uh, as a help defender, as opposed to being on a perimeter. I think that was a challenge for him that he wasn't ready for. And I don't think that like he really has a foot speed, foot speed to, beyond the perimeter defending some of these other perimeter guys that are out there. So yeah, I, I, I could see Caruso being out there and I would see maybe like Kobe setting or maybe DeRozan, if DeRozan's out there. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Like I know Zach is going to, I'm sorry to kind of ramble here, but I think Zach is going to have to up his ante too on defense. If, if you have a guy like DeRozan that can take a little pressure off of you offensively and, and create creating offense in the half court setting, maybe that helps him be a little more focused um, as a help defender and make sure he doesn't lose his man. So 
yeah, it's going to be interesting. But to me, I, I see that I, we've seen Booch have be be able to be surrounded and be in a good defense. Um, I think we have the parts to make it work. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see if there are follow up moves. I mean, a lot of people are still speculating about a Lowry marketing sign in trade, and I don't know if that's going to result in, a, in another piece that comes back. Uh, it, it would be nice to have a four who can bring uh, maybe like a four or five who can bring some defense. But right now, it, it's definitely tough. Uh, I do lean towards the thought more right now that the Bulls, because they're going to be a better offensive team than defensive team, that their best strategy right now is let's hope that we can just outscore people in the clutch and that we can get stops when it matters as opposed to, okay, let's just focus on or let's just hope that we're going to get all these stops and then we can make it happen that way. So I think that's probably going to be the expectation, but uh, I don't know. It, it's tough. I, I guess you could maybe do Caruso, Ball, Zach. I wonder if we'll ever see any lineups with DeRozan at the four. Uh, I don't know. I, I I could see scenarios where Pat is not on the court, but it will really depend on what he's going to bring shooting wise into next season. If he's not improved as a shooter, I think maybe you could say, okay, we'll we'll take our chances. Even though the Rose is not a great shooter, we'll take our chances with two creators on the floor and we'll roll with two uh, strong uh, perimeter defenders in Caruso and ball and then Booch. Yeah. I think at this point you kind of can't bench any of, Lonzo, Zach, Damar, and Vooch. Um, so it's really between like Caruso and Pat. But um, I also think there's probably going to be some cases where they mix it up or Vooch can't stay on the floor and they have to go super small with Pat at the five, which I'd be super psyched to watch. Um, so we'll see. But just food for thought, because I do think their their roster is now so much different and there are a ton of different like constructions and lineup like possibilities got a ton of versatility now. So I'm, I'm excited and um, there's still probably more to come. I think they have obviously like losing, we didn't even mention Thad, like he was such an important part of what they did last year. Um, Obviously from like a pick and roll, like short roll guy, but I think more importantly as a big wing defender and they just don't have that right now. So maybe, Lowry sign and trade, maybe like I mentioned before, Kobe goes out, but I think their bench is, is missing that kind of guy where they have Kobe, Caruso, AO, Troy Brown, maybe Simonovich, maybe Lowry, but there's no like big wing defender. Well, let me ask you this. Well, what do you want to see the, for the rest of the offseason? I know there's a couple of names out of the mention, like Kem, uh, Kem Birch as a, a, a big for depth. I know Paul Millsap is out there available. I, I think he probably need more so the mid-level exception to go after him. And then obviously you brought up Lowry, what's going to happen with him. I know there was that rumor where, where we would trade him, sign and trade him to Minnesota and Minnesota maybe sends us Jared Culliver and a first. I'm not sure exactly what they were going to wanting to do or planning to do. But what what are some of the things there as far as kind of just soaring up the rest of this roster and some some of the smaller moves that you'd like to see happen? Yeah, I do think they need like a fourth big. Um, even if 
like Simonovich does turn out to be something. They need like an actual athletic rim protecting big, I think, um, just to give them that versatility. Um, my guess is that, and I haven't looked at like who who's left out there, but it doesn't really feel like there would be any other like real enticing options. Um, so I think that the Lowry sign and trade is, is one of the most compelling, although they do have, um, if, if the, uh, if Caruso gets absorbed into the sign and trade created by into the, excuse me, um, trade exception created by the Daniel Tice trade, then they would still have the full mid-level exception and could do something interesting with that, which is like just under 10 million, I think like 9.5 or 9.7. So um, if that's the case, they can maybe go after Kim Birch or, or one of these other guys. But I think honestly, it might be better at this point to take um, Caruso into the MLE and save that exception for the deadline and see if they can't find somebody halfway through the year that could help them assuming things are going well. Um, so that's another option, but I do think there's kind of a hole left in that, like three, four, or like a four who can guard up or down kind of uh versatile bench option. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. Me. I'm not, I, I don't even know what to do like player wise right now, but I do agree with you that it would be nice to have some type of athletic or someone who can be really versatile and can defend the big wings or could uh, defend the rim. Honestly, I feel like this is – it sucks, but this is kind of like where you lose Thad and you lose Tice. Like, you end up, like, giving and there's, you know, something that you have to give up for it, sir. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, based on what we've seen so far, AK might come out of nowhere with something really nice again. So, uh, we'll see how creative they can get with this. But I'll say this, um, if you just look at the moves that AK has made so far, it's Booch, Pat Williams, Garrett Temple, um, AO, now DeRozan, Lonzo, and um, Caruso. Caruso. And they also brought in Tice. So these are guys that are all competent on both ends, guys who move the ball and who shoot. So I think just it's kind of an insight into like what kind of style he wants to play and defense isn't really a huge part of that. It seems um, you have some guys like Tyson, Pat and, um, and others who can like hold their own. But um, I do think kind of another shooter big man is perhaps in the cards. Like we're kind of like Denver light. That's yep, what he's exactly. essentially built. So, you know, it's, it's kind of you see that though, right? With with GMs that go to new places, they kind of they build what they know. Like that's that's what he knows. Like that's how he knows this is how we should operate as a franchise. And obviously, with Denver, he didn't have the same ability to trade those picks and utilize a bigger market mindset because obviously Denver isn't the the market size that Chicago is, but. Yeah, I think he's built a similar team and the signs of him trying to build a similar team to Denver happened the moment that we traded for Vooch. Obviously, Vooch is a much lesser player than Jokic, but they have they have that similar skill set as far as big men that can play inside out and as far as passers. And obviously Vooch is like if if uh super stay on version of <laughs> of or sorry, Jokic is a super stay on version of Vooch, but 
Yeah, so I think that's similar. And then obviously Zach, as far as Murray, I think Zach is better than Murray, but that's similar, similar mold of player. So yeah, it's it, it, it's nice. I think it's interesting. It'll be fun to see how they make all of this work. Yeah, now they just he's able to do it with the big market superpowers. So yeah, exactly. He actually, he actually did it. I think that he filled out the roster, um, just like kind of on paper, better than he did in or they did in Denver, right? Like, yeah, obviously, obviously drafted super well with MPJ and Murray and Jokic, but um, like, you know, I think there's more potential with DeRozan and Lonzo than there is with like Will Barton and right Monte Morris or something. I don't know. Right. I, and there was, those guys are really good. Yeah. And because there wasn't a, like a name like that said, hey, I want to go to Chicago. Like Lonzo said, I want to go to Chicago. You know, that that's just unfortunate. That's, something that they had to deal with and they made it work. Obviously they built a really great team that arguably could have won it last season. If Murray doesn't get hurt. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I think this is like, you know, probably the first time since like, I don't know, like the, the Jimmy Butler three alphas year was like fun, but it wasn't, like I didn't actually have like expectations and I don't really right. have expectations like that for this team either, but um, it's going to be more competitive. I'm not going to be just like hate watching them for signing Rondo. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it's, it's going to be fun. To, it's going to be fun to be a Bulls fan. So yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. We'll, we'll get some, we'll get some national TV games. We'll probably be back on TNT to uh, see TNT Bulls. So, I mean, it, it will be fun just as a basketball fan being able to the value of Coming home and knowing that you can watch a Bulls game on ESPN or TNT or ABC and it's not going to be miserable, that's that's enjoyable. So this season hopefully is going to be full of some entertaining games. We beat some big teams. We're really happy. So I'm excited. This this could be a really fun season. Yeah, the key from here now is like they actually got to win games. Yeah. That's first All and right. foremost. Yeah. They yeah. got to win. <laughs> and then exactly. you just got to hope that like this is – enough um shall we call it equity with zach levine that he'll sign next year like you you make these moves um and you you do it either like under the assumption that he's signing a max deal or that you are like this is i'm proving it and either way like you got to win games so right let's go do that well zach has to prove that he like he wants to prove that he's a winner so i mean the only uh, like the only way to change the narrative is to change the narrative, right? And I think that's Zach's focus going into this season too. Is yeah, he we want him to stay long term, but he has he wants to go out there and prove that, like, look, I can I can take a team to a playoffs, and you know I can be that guy that is a winning player. And obviously, we have the conversation about empty calories, the the things that get said about him. You know, I don't believe those things. I think it's, it is a lot about roster construction and how he's just unfortunately never had a really good team around him. But yeah, it's at this point, it's about him. He needs to prove it that, yeah, look, we got all this talent. There's, there's probably a good nine, eight or nine guys on this roster that you can functionally put in a rotation. Let's go out there and start winning games now. Yeah, I'm very excited to put the whole like Zach Levine is a loser yeah. Like narrative to bed, like just 
give me a fucking break. Um, <laughs> oh, exactly. That, it's always so, annoying. And it's, it's always a straw man too. Like, like no one ever says Zach is going to lead us to a championship. That's not the conversation. The conversation is Zach is a max all-star caliber player. He should be kept and he should be used as a attractive piece for other stars to come to play with him. And I'll also say this, like, as far as, I mean, we're kind of like tiptoeing around the Kali shit, but like, right. Um, like, I think he is saying what he was saying because he felt like, okay, you may be bringing like one other player and then you max Zach and like, you're at the, the cap and you like have two good two, two, three, like mid level all-stars. Like, where are you going with that? And I think that is operating under the assumption that like, AK and Ryan Sarf weren't going to spend like this. So I'm all bored, like paying Zach. We should absolutely do that. Um, I was hey. before this, but um, he's, he's your star. You build this around him. DeRozan's going to help him get better because he can play make and create some easy shots and take some pressure um, and defensive attention away from Zach. Lonzo is going to be a great connector, um, ball mover, floor spacer. Um, you've still got Vucevic, who I think is like kind of this whole like parade of free agent signings is like Vooch is somehow lost in the mix of that. And he's like a phenomenal player. So exactly. Uh, they got a ton of talent. I think they're going to be super fun to watch. They're going to score a lot of points. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is just like never happened. Like they've never no, exactly. signed free agents like this. So it's awesome. Yeah. I, I really appreciate the, the shock to the system. Like this is after the better part of two decades, just, drafting players and hoping everything works out and hoping you can lure players to Chicago with Benny the Bull at the airport. This is just a refreshing thing to see them actually say, okay, we're going to stick our necks out. We're not afraid. Scared money don't make no money. Let's do this and see if it works. If it doesn't work out, okay, fine. We'll go back to the drawing board. If it does, great. Like You just have to – you can't be afraid of failure, and I think the previous front office was yes. so – hesitant to take risk that the risk that they did take like trading picks for Doug McDermott Aldridge for uh, Tyrus Thomas and things like that those just ended up being really bad because they're just not used to it so I like that they they fell like ass backwards into Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler and just like rode on that train as far as they could and all due respect to like Thad Young and Sato who I was like I mean, those were like the most exciting free agent signings that I like Boozer was like, okay, well, yeah, they missed out on Bosch. Like Pau Gasol was 35. D Wade was 35. Rondo was 30. Like those were the best free agents. Like I was very excited about Sato. I I really liked that guy in Washington. So it's like, we got Alonzo Ball. (laughs) We got Caruso and DeMar DeRozan. This is awesome. Yeah. Right. I I do have one more very thought provoking questions for both, both of you. Do you think if Ryan Archidiakno was a Pokemon, his final form would be Alex Caruso? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, does he, he has to lose hair to evolve. Yeah, I was just I was yeah, like <laughs> evolving into like you know that like man. That's a that's a that's a shitty break <laughs> that's right a there. Sad evolution. <laughs> Usually, when the Pokemon evolve, they like gain stuff, and he just loses his hair. <laughs> he becomes a a better player, right? A better uh, Caruso's man bun was like the anti or uh, Archie's I, I, man bun was the anti Caruso. <laughs> Uh, well, it's, it's always a blast to have you on really appreciate you joining us. 
Uh, any final thoughts? And outside of any final thoughts, please let us know what you're up to, uh, what you're working on, and uh, yeah, plug your way. Um, thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun. It's been a while, um, and I'm excited to follow you guys over on Barroom. But um, not much going on for me, uh, Bulls related wise. I've been taking a little uh, Twitter break, getting back into it the last week or so, and maybe. I'm excited. Maybe I'll do some blogging. Who knows? But um, yeah, that's all I'm up to these days. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Edward, any final thoughts? Yeah. Thanks to, again, thanks to Will for uh, dropping by again. Always has great insight. And yeah, this is just, this is just a really fun conversation. It's a really good time for Bulls fans right now. And just, I just encourage people to just like soak it in and sit back and relax before all the like serious stuff starts to pop up when, all the expectations, all the expectations get real, and all the games come to uh, come to light, and we have to beat this team and that team. This is a really fun part. It's a really good day after all the crap that's happened the last couple of days. So for me, last off season was about hey, the team is finally normal again. We have a normal front office, a normal coach. This time, we're actually making moves. We're actually being aggressive, and it feels good to be a part of the NBA landscape again. Like it feels good to be relevant at least on paper so we'll see how it how it uh flows when the games start but this is a good feeling exactly exactly we have a, a great new front office that's you know utilizing every possible uh option to upgrade the roster so yeah definitely fun but you know that's a wrap for today's show if you've missed any previous episodes you can find us on all major and minor podcast platforms Please subscribe and rate us at five on Apple Podcasts. Thank you again to Will Gottlieb for joining us and to listeners for tuning in. As always, for Edward Shula and myself, until next time, Bulls fans. <laughs>